What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey, New Vision, this is Ben Curtis, one of the pastors here. And today, as we continue our Joshua series, we're in the middle of this account where Israel has been defeated by AI. Then God calls Joshua to get up and obey his word. He gives Joshua the battle plan. He calls the play. And Joshua and the people obey, and AI is defeated. I do want to warn you, this is a bloody section in Joshua, so you might want to give this a listen before uh, including your children. So I'm going to go ahead and read our passage. This is Joshua chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 24 through 29, and this is from the Christian Standard Bible. When Israel had finished killing everyone living in Ai who had pursued them into the open country, and when every last one of them had fallen by the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the sword. The total of those who fell that day, both men and women, was 12,000, all the people of Ai. Joshua did not draw back his hand that was holding the javelin until all the inhabitants of Ai were completely destroyed. Israel plundered only the cattle and spoil of that city for themselves, according to the Lord's command that he had given Joshua. Joshua burned Ai and left it a permanent ruin, still desolate today. He hung the body of the king of Ai on a tree until evening, and at sunset Joshua commanded that they take his body down from the tree. They threw it down at the entrance of the city gate and put a large pile of rocks over it, which remains today. This is one of those passages that our neighbors and you know people that n- know us uh, that are not Christians, they're going to read this and they're going to say, man, listen, this is why I struggle with the Bible. That's the problem that I have with God. So I think it's important for us uh, as we read passages like this that are hard, uh, that we wrestle with these things and we recognize what God is actually saying and what he's not saying. So I just want to take some uh time today and use this as an opportunity to say a few things about how we should think on passages like this, like these holy war passages that we see. I think the first thing that I would just say, it's important for us to greatly grieve at death. Whether that happens at age two or 102, or whether that comes by cancer or by the sword, uh, because death is a reminder that we live in a sinful world This world has rebelled against our good creator God, and the scriptures clearly say that the wages of sin is death for all of us. That's the kind of world we live in. That's the reality. So when we read this passage and we hear about this entire city destroyed, uh, we should be sad. We should greatly grieve at that anytime we see death. But second, we should also see, as we read this passage, uh, God's judgment. Let's be careful not to make you know, morally outraged statements about the innocence of the Canaanites, because we know ultimately no one is innocent, including us. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, these Canaanites were not only sinners like us, they were also very wicked people like us. The Bible says the heart is more deceitful than anything else, and it's incurable. You can read about some of the sins of the Canaanites if you go over to uh, Leviticus 18, but Uh, Among the list of sins, bestiality, incest, child sacrifice, adultery, homosexuality, 
Those are the things that had come to characterize this culture, and God had given them 400 years to repent. And then he gave them another 40 years while uh, Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now six more days, but they didn't repent. And so God has finally just come to this place of saying, listen, I'm a God of mercy and compassion, but I have there's a limit, and, and the full measure of this nation's sin has reached its limit, and now I'm going to judge these nations. And so he's using Israel as an instrument of judgment. You know, God doesn't need our approval whenever he brings judgment. Uh, he is always right. He is always good. He's always just in every decision he makes. And just remember that all death is judgment, whether it's at the end of life, whether it's early in life, or whether it's in the middle of life. Death is a reminder uh, that uh, the wages of our sin is death. So we need to see God's judgment in this passage. But the third thing that we need to note is the holiness of this moment. And when I say holy, that word means set apart. It means unique. It means different. So as we read these passages, we don't need to rush out and start drawing parallels between what's happening here and and unholy things that we see sometimes in today's world, like ethnic cleansing, because that's clearly not what's happening here. Think back to the the fall of Jericho in chapter 6 and Rahab's household. Her entire household was saved, even though she wasn't of the same ethnicity as the Israelites. So this is not racial. This is not ethnic cleansing. And I'll also say this. God is not using this. He's not trying to build his kingdom through imperial expansion. You know, sometimes people will point out passages passages like this and they'll say, see, this this is a story in the Bible and, and Christians are encouraged here to be violent. But we have to interpret stories like this through the lens of the bigger story. And, and if you look at Scripture as a whole, uh, God forbids Christians from using violence as a means of spreading our faith. Uh, Again, we have to understand this was a unique time for God and for Israel. And at this time in world history and salvation history and Bible history, Israel is a people, a a geographic nation that was ruled by God, governed directly by God. And so uh, they were a theocracy. And that's not the case in our time. And sure, God's still sovereign. He, He still rules over the nations. But now... Uh, God's people is international, not one nation. In the Old Covenant, God called His people uh, to be this specific nation-state, and and God called them at different times to carry out His judgment. But as the New Covenant people of God, uh, that's not our calling at all. Instead, God calls us to love our enemies. So greatly grieve when you see death, Understand, as you read this passage, this is God's judgment. There's a, there's a holiness, there's a uniqueness uh, of this moment. And then fourth, I think it's important for us to think about how this passage points forward ultimately to Jesus. Because, you know, you can think about times when you've been outraged. And I can think about times when I've been upset, when, when we see injustice, when, when we perceive bad things happening to good people. Uh, that's injustice, okay? And, and first of all, let me just say this. There are no good people, right? We're, no one is good uh, except one, and that is Jesus. But, but let, me, let me ask you to consider something. The ultimate moment in history when bad things happened to a truly good person, where was that at? 
that was at the cross of Jesus Christ because he was truly innocent. He didn't deserve to be punished for sin. He, he deserved total honor and respect, but instead he was ignored and, and disrespected and killed by the very people that he created. Jesus was the eternal, sinless Son of God, the one who pleased the Father at every point, but he bore the wrath of God on the cross, and he was forsaken by the Father because of our sin. So if we want to get morally outraged about something, about an innocent person receiving a penalty that they don't deserve, there's not a greater moment than at the cross of Jesus Christ where the righteous, that's Jesus, died for the unrighteous, that's us. And I just want to show you a, a, a pretty neat gospel parallel in these last few verses. The city's been destroyed, completely burned to the ground, and Joshua is still holding up his javelin, and the king of Ai is brought to him, and and undoubtedly Joshua kills the king of Ai, uh, but he, he's not killed by hanging. He's he's hung after he is killed. It says in verse 29, he hung the body of the king of Ai on a tree until evening, and at sunset, Joshua commanded that they take his body down from the tree. They threw it down at the entrance of the city gate and put a large pile of rocks over it, which still remains today. Now, there are a couple of verses in Deuteronomy that say when someone is stoned to death because they've committed an offense that's deserving of death, uh, that they're to be hung on a tree, and, and after they've been killed, uh, they're to be hung as a sign to everyone else. And so hanging on a tree was basically meant to show the seriousness of sin. But, but then in Deuteronomy, their body was not to be left out overnight, lest the curse of sin that was on them come over the whole land. That's uh, Deuteronomy 21, verse 21 through 23, if you want to read those verses. Uh, so I think Joshua was very familiar with that. He knew Scripture, and, and, and that's why Joshua hangs the guy uh, kind of as this example, but also he commands for him to be taken down. Now here's the lesson. God will judge the sin of this world, and, and that's really what we see in Joshua 8, it's, it's a prelude to judgment. The judgment of Ai is an example of what all sin deserves, including our own, including my sin, including your sin. God will judge the sin of the world, but here's what I want us to see. Our hope is in King Jesus who hung on a tree in our place. So just allow your mind as you read scripture to make those gospel connections. And here there's this connection between uh, this picture of the king of Ai in Joshua 8, and the, this picture of the king of the Jews in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 13, says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. All have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And you and I are part of of Ai, symbolically, and the wages of our sin is death. So, you know, as you picture this king of Ai who had been killed by Joshua, who had been hung up at the city gate as a representative of all the people of Ai, they were, they were under the curse of sin, which is death. And, and as he hangs there representing this nation that has been judged, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Who's going to be my representative? Is the king of Ai my representative, because all who have sinned, we're under the curse of death. But God has provided someone who's actually a better representative. He's also a king. He also took the curse of sin for us and was hung on a tree. And God has provided this 
perfect representative for you, King Jesus, who redeemed his people, as Galatians says, from the curse of the law. And this only applies to you if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. So you're either standing with the people of Ai and the king of Ai under sin, under the curse, or you let Jesus be your representative and you're counted as part of his people who've been redeemed from the curse of sin and death. So one of the bloodiest sections of the Old Testament points us here again to the gospel. God will judge sin, but our hope is in King Jesus who hung in our place. Hey, thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll be back tomorrow as Joseph Brasher brings chapter 8 to a close. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.